Hello everyone and welcome back to the MTG Novels Project. The MTG Novels Project is available both on YouTube and as a podcast version. Check the description for more details. A legal note. This is an unofficial audiobook with original content belonging to Wizard of the Coast. This content is covered under the 2017 Wizard of the Coast fan content policy. Listener discretion is advised. Today we're reading Chapter 9 of Planeswalker by Lynn Abbey. Cold fog rolled down from the mountains. Zancha's fingers stiffened and the rest of her grew clumsy. When she wasn't tripping over her feet, she dropped bundles and cursed loudly, not caring if she disturbed the two men on the other side of the wall. She didn't disturb them. Urza had a new audience for his tabletop. He wouldn't notice that the world ended, and with Tepe, was, was playing the dangerous game Zancha had told him to play and playing it better than she dared hope. <coughs> She'd all but told him not to pay attention to her. She could argue begrudgingly obedience, or fail to notice that Ursula's door was unwarded. She could have left the sacks where the sphere had scattered them. Vitepe, Rat, Mishra would have been defending her to join them. Sanja had been tempted to walk through the door, if only to hear what the young Afund would say. Which, considering all that held in the balance, was a selfish temptation. She resisted it until the last of supplies were stowed in the pantry, and the fog had matured into an ice-needle rain. Inside her room, with the shutters bolted against the chill, Sanja found herself too tired to sleep. Eyes open and empty, she lay on her bed able to hear the sounds of the conversation behind the wall. Without catching any of the words, she piled pillows atop her face, pulled the blankets tight, then threw everything aside. Before long, Zancha had wedged herself in the corner at the foot of the bed, with her knees tucked beneath her chin and a blanket draped over her head. Zancha tried to think of other things, of her first conversation with Urza. There's a shelter at the bottom of the hill. Take me there. I'll show you the way to Phyrexia. Urza frowned. Sancha had rarely seen a face creased with her displeasure. She expected his jaw to fall to the ground, but her res- rescue was flexible. A newt like herself, or one of the born folk about whom she knew very little. When his fountain had sunk as much as it could, it rebounded and became a bitter laugh. She knew the meaning of that sound. It's the truth. I will show you the way. I will take it to Phyrexia, though. It's only fair to tell you that Avengers stand guard at the fourth sphere abulator fields and will be destroyed at the spat. It's gone. It's gotten away, her rescue said, still laughing. The ambulator's nether edge should be there unless you let the searcher get away. The diggers. They don't know how to roll an ambulator, and the bearers can't. Sasha tried to rise and felt light-headed. Felt light all over. It was an unprecedented feeling. Every time she stepped into a new world, there was a change. A different texture in the air, a different color to the light, a different sense between her feet and the ground. She took a deep breath to confirm her suspicions. The hill and shelter are where I remember them, but I'm not any place that I remember. Yes, my clever child, I brought you here, and I will take you back. The hill is there, but the shelter and this ambulance of which you speak, alas, is not. Zancha thought she understood. 
You draw the pri you drew the pry man through itself to bring me to this place. She hesitated. But this man who had rescued her deserved the truth. If you anchored the ambulator, I don't know if I can take you to Phyrexia. I've seen a certain priest set the stones for Phyrexia, but I've never set them myself. I don't know what her face will be if I set them wrong, but I'll go first. No, child, you will not go first, he said, grim and serious. Though you have every reason to condemn Phyrexia, you have become a traitor to them, and traitors can never be trusted. Must never be trusted. Traitor. The word roused a hundred others from Zancha's dreams. She supposed it was a truthful word, though not as truthful as it would have been if she weren't a newt who'd never been compliated. Insofar as Kin prickled her conscience, it was safe to say that she had none. I was Orman Huzra when you find me, second of the Dodgers. What is my position now? What is yours? What do I do if I cannot be trusted and I cannot go first? The man paced a small, stark chamber in which she'd awakened. His eyes burned as he'd walked, reminding Zancha of Gix. She'd lowered her head when he stopped in front of her. He put his hand beneath her chin to raise it. Her instinct was to resist, to avoid those eyes as she'd avoided the eyes of Gix. But he overcame her resilience. Her rescuer had a demon's strength. Orman Husra. That is not a name. What is your name? In my dreams, I am Zancha. The answer failed to please him. Fingers tightened on either side of her jaw. She closed her eyes, but that made no difference. The many colored light from his eyes burnt like fire in her thoughts. Your mind is empty, Zancha, he said after an agonized moment. The Phyrexians took it all away from you. He was wrong. Were it not for the Phyrexians, Gix in particular had done to her. Zancha was sure she would have died right then. She didn't correct her new companion, no more than she had corrected Gix, and took no small satisfaction in the knowledge that the sanctuary she created, when Gix had confronted her, remained intact. What is my place? What is yours? She asked her a second time. What do you do? My place was Lord Protector of the Realm, and I failed to do what I should have done. You might call me Urza. There were images for the word Urza, hideous images. Gansa heard the voice of a teacher priest. If you meet Urza, destroy him. The man in front of her didn't resemble the image. Even if he had, Sancho would have denied the imperative. She wasn't about to destroy an enemy of Phyrexia. Urza, she repeated. Urza, I will show you what I know of the Abolators. Sancho tried to raise from her palate. The ambulator had to be beyond the chamber's closed door. It was too large for the chamber itself. She got as far as her knees. In addition to feeling light, she was weak, but there were no marks in her bodies. Her wound had healed. Sasha didn't understand. She'd been weak before, but never without wounds. Rest, Urza told her, offering her the corner of a blanket. You've been very sick. Many days. At least a month had passed since I brought you here but not through any ambulator. I did, as you su suggest, let the searcher get away. My error, Zancha. I did not suspect your ambulators, and seeing your kind on that other plane, I thought you'd walked there. My grievous error. The emptiness between the planes is no place for a child without the necessary spark. You were less than a bless, less than a heartbeat from death before I got you here. 
which is not where I intended to bring you. Do not touch that door, he warned, then had an inspiration and pointed his finger, forefinger to it. The wind glowed and became dull gray stone, like the rest of the chamber. The Phyrexians changed you, Xantia, and I cannot undo their changes. But without what they did to you, you wouldn't have lived long enough for me to do anything at all. This place is safe for you. It has hair, air, and a balance of heat. Outside, there is nothing. Your skin will freeze, and your blood will boil. Without the spark, you will not survive. Do you hear me, Xantia? Can you empty your mind and understand? Xantia had no sense of modesty, but not soon after leaving Frexia and the air in the chamber was comfortably warm, yet she clutched the blanket tight around her naked flesh. The same as she clutched it a minute later in a cold, dark cabin room, while sleep pelted the roof overhead. Her empty mind never had a problem understanding Urza's word. It was the implications that often left her reeling. I understand, she asserted Urza. This is my place, and I remained here. But I do not know about months. I know days and seasons and years. What is a month? He closed his eyes and after a dramatic sigh told her about the many ways in which born folk measured time. Zancha told him that Phyrexia was a place where time went, un went unmeasured. There was no sun by day, nor stars by night. The first sphere sky was an unchangeable featureless gray. All the other spheres were nested within the first sphere. Kicks had been dropped into a funeral that descended to the seventh sphere. The ineffable dwelt in the ninth at Phyrexia's core. Interesting, Urza said. If you're telling the truth, I've heard the name Gix before, on my own plane, where it was the name of a mountain god before the Phyrexians stole it. In fifty years of searching, I've heard the name of Gix many times. I've heard the name Urza too, several that sounds like Sancha. There are only so many sounds that our mouths can make, so many words, so many names. At best, language is confusion. If you are to be so useful to me, you will never lie. Are you telling the truth, child? She nodded out truthfully. I am not a child. The image was quite clear in her mind. The world for which she had been destined, the world for which she had gone, had children. Children are born, children grow. Fractions are decanted by vat priests, complicated by the tender priests. When I was decanted, I was exactly as I am now. I was not complicated, but I was never a child. Gix said he made me. Urza shook his head sadly. It is tempting, very tempting to believe that there is only one Gix, but I have made that mistake before. It was just a sound, a similar sound filled with lies. You do not remember what you were before the Phyrexians claimed you, Zancha, and that is just as well. To remember what you had lost, he closed his eyes a moment. You would not be so strong enough, strong. By your face, I'd say you were 12, perhaps 13. He shook a thought out of his mind and began to pace. You were born, Zancha. Life is born, or it is not. Not even the Phyrexians can change that. They steal, they corrupt. They abominate, but they cannot create. You remember the decanting, and I'm grateful that you remember nothing before that, because I'm certain you were just horribly transformed. In my wandering, I've seen men and women in many variations, but I've never seen one such as you, who is neither. 
Urza continued pacing the small chamber. He wouldn't look at her, which was just as well. Sajin knew many words for madness and delusions, and they all described Urza. He had rescued her, saved her life, and she, he had strange powers, not mirroring his glowing eyes, but an odd sort of passion that had left her believe in a few distracted heartbeats that she'd been born on the world at the bottom of her memories. Sancha ached in the missing places when Urza described her as neither a man nor a woman. After Gix's excoriation, when she'd hidden among the gablin, goblins, she had opportunity to observe the differences between the two fikes of born folk, men and women. If Urza was right, she had even more reason to raise war against the Frexians. But Urza had to be wrong. He didn't know Frexia. He had never peeked into a vat to see the writhing shape of a half-grown newt. He had never seen tender priests throwing buckets of rendered flesh into those vats. Meech sludge was a source of Zancha's memories. Meech slugs and Gix's ambitions. Nothing had been taken from her. She was empty, as Urza had told her, filled with memories that weren't her own. Zancha conf Urza confirmed Zancha's self-judgment as he paced. Yes, it is better that you don't remember. Better that your mind is empty, and you have no imagination left that could fill it. Mishra knew what he had become. It drove him mad. I will keep you, Zancha, and will avenge your loss as I avenge my brother. You will stay here. Zancha didn't argue. She's in a chamber that neither windows nor doors. Her companion was a man even with glowing eyes. There's nothing to, to, at all to be gained by argument. Still, there's at least one question that had to be asked. May I eat? Urza stopped pacing. His eyes darkened to a mortar brown. You eat? But you're Phyrexian? She shrugged and chose her words carefully. They didn't take that. I ate with my cauldron when I was in Phyrexian. But I scrounged when I was excavating. I can scrounge here, if you show me where the living things are. Nothing lives here, Zancha. Urza muttered under his breath. His hands began to glow as his eyes had. He strode to the nearest wall and thrust his finger into what appeared to be salt stone. The glow transferred to the stone and the chamber filled with hot, acrid smells. Zancho remembered from the furnaces. She's eased backwards, blindly clutching the blanket as if he could protect her. There's a hull in the wall now, and a radiating mass seething Urza's hand. Bread, set, Urza said, when the seething mass had cooled. Zancho had scrounged bread in a few of the worlds to search a piece had taken her to. The Stephen loathed earth that happened to her looked like bread, and smelled a bit like bread, a bit more like overheated dust. Its taste was dusty too, but she'd eat worse, much worse, and gorged without complaint. Do you want more? She didn't answer. What was an empty notion? Newts didn't want. Newts took what they could, what was available, and waited for another opportunity, which might come soon or might not. Urza faded until he was a pale, translucent shadow. Then he was gone. A heartbeat later, the chamber's light was gone too. Every world Zanja had been to had spun in its own rhythms, and though she had acquainted an indistinct sense of day becoming night, she learned enough about time to be desperately afraid of the dark. She was ravenous when Urza finally returned, exhausted because she feared to close her eyes lest she sleep through his reappearance, and bleeding where she'd pinched herself to keep awake. Taking all her events at once, Zanja sprang across the chamber. She clung furious to Urza's sleeve. I won't remain here. Bring back the door. Let me out or destroy me. Urza stared at her hands. I brought you something. Swallow it. 
and I can, as you say, bring you back the door. He held out his free arm and opened his hand, which held a nearly transparent lump, about half the size of her fist. Sanja had eaten worse meals in the fate of Fleth, but he didn't think Urza was offering her supper. What is it? she asked, not letting go with either hand. Consider it a gift. I went back to the plane where I found you. The Frexians were careful to clean up after himself, but I was more careful looking for them this time. I found a place where the foil had been transformed by black mana, much as you had been. So I believe you, Sancha. You're almost what you say you are. Almost a Phyrexian. You believe the lies they told you when they transform you. They took your memory and your potential. You're a danger to others and to yourself, but not to me. I will unlock your secrets and find answers I need for vengeance. I'll help, Sancha agreed. She agreed to do anything to get out of that chamber. After that, after that would take care of itself. Letting go of his sleeve with one hand, but not the other, she reached for the lump. Urza swung it behind, beyond her reach. You must understand, Sancha, as much as you can understand anything. This is not bread to be wolfed down like a starving animal. This is an artifact. When you swallow it, it will settle in your stomach and harden into a cyst, a sore of stone that will remain there as long as you live. Then, whenever we travel between plains or dwell in a plain where you could not otherwise survive, you will say a little rhyme that I shall teach you and yawned mightily at its end. The cyst will release an armor that will cover you completely to keep you alive. You will compliate me? Urza glowered. Zadja felt him pursuing her thoughts, her suspicions about the cyst. He rammed through her measuries, yanking on them with the loose ends of a stubborn knot. Did he believe that Uzra human knew nothing but artifacts? She retreated into her private self. He sensed her escape. He saw the questions and displeasure on his face. Urza wasn't flex, no more than Gix. But he had the habits of flesh and all the stubbornity of a fresh decanted newt. It's like a rabbit flies into the brush, he said, and looked beyond a timber. Tears lurked from Urza's eyes, expressed his left eye. Then he shuddered and the tear tracks vanished. No, I don't compliate. That is abomination. My artifact will be inside you because that is the best place for it. But as a tool... Nothing more, and never a part of you. Never. I cannot erase the memories of Phyrexia from your mind, but you are no longer Phyrexian, and you must not think of Phyrexian abominations. Artifacts are tools, she recited, as she would have recited to the teacher's priests. A tool that she would swallow, but that would remain in her belly forever, without being a part of her. It wasn't reasonable, but reason wasn't important to a Phyrexian, and she would be a Phyrexian forever. Urza let the lump flow into her hand. It was cold and clinging. Zancha's stomach churned in protest. Gagging, she lost her grip on Urza's sleeve and nearly dropped the artifact as well. Swallow it. Swallow it whole. Do not chew it. Waste not, want not, Zancha muttered. Waste not, want not. He raised her hand to her, her mouth and nearly fainted. She tried again. Breathing out as she raised her hand. The artifact quivered and hardened. Then she closed her eyes and slurped it down without inhaling. It stuck in her throat. She slapped her hands over her lips, fighting the instant to spit the lump across the chamber. For something that was only a tool, Urza's artifact felt alive as it oozed down Zanja's throat. Got comfortable in her gut and hardened into a stone. She was on her knees, banging her forehead on the floor when the horde and firing process finally stopped. See, all over. Nothing to it. 
She rested her head on the floor, another moment before pushing herself upright. I'm ready. Her voice was different. The artifact had deposited the trails and it had moved down her throat. It still clung to her teeth and tongue. She coughed into her hand and studied drops of spittle that glistened briefly, then turned to white powder. Urza taught her the rhyme that released a cyst's power. Pressure built up in her gulp as she repeated it. The yawn that followed was involuntary, and a sense of an oily liquid stirring from within covered her completely within two heartbeats. Would have driven her to hysteria if it had lasted for a third. Urza clung her, clutching her wrists. The cyst liquid, her armor, tingled. He began to fade, and looking down, Zancha saw himself fading as well. She barely began to scream when her substance was discovered, covered by clothing less fine than Urza's, but finer than the rag she'd known on her life. Tempted to follow the dark blue sleeve, she declared it was an illusion, visible but intangible. Later, Urza assumed her. Not long. I won't have a naked companion. Look upon this. Tell me. Have you seen his life before? Sancha gathered her wits. They stood on a bare rock plain. The sky was as cloudless blue pale. Light came from an intensely white star, so high overhead that she thought she could have been hot and sweating. Yet the plain was cold and the wind colder. She could hear the wind and see the dust it raised. When she thought about it, Sancha wasn't sure at all how she knew it was cold. With Urza's armor surrounding her, she felt nothing against her skin. The sensation or lack of sensation so intrigued her that Urza had to clear her throat twice before she saw the dragon. With that, she said into his voice, I shall destroy Frexia. The dragon was dead blatant in the sunlight. Zakja walked closer until she was certain that it was indeed made from metal, even though when she touched a pillow like hand laid, she couldn't say which metal. It was a bipedal in structure, and her head came barely to its bent knees. Its torso, as yet unfinished, was a maze of tanks and tubes. Naptha, Urza explained before. She asked her question. Frexians. The Frexians meet the destroyed, are leaked with oil. They burn. Zancha nodded recalling the four-sphere lakes of Slag and Naptha, and screams that sometimes arose from them. Scarfing struts excluded from the dragon's counterbalanced tail. She sees one. Urza warned her to be careful. She had no intention of being anything, but he'd asked a question, and she meant to give him an answer. The cis-made armor moved with her, however. Sancha contorted herself, even hanging by one knee to get a better look at its the claws of the dragon's somewhat short arms. If the arms were short, its teeth were long and varied, sharp spikes, razor-edged wedges, rasps, and crushing anvils, all cunningly geared so that whoever sat in the Urza side gasped between the dragon's shoulders could bring his best metal weapons to bear on a particular enemy. If a gout of flaming Napta food proved insufficient to destroy them, more unfinished scafting rose above and behind the dragon's shoulder. Protection, she guessed, for Urza. But possibly he intended to finish his engine with, that, with wings. She judged it little more than half finished, and already heavier than anything she'd seen on the first sphere. Perhaps he conducted a more potent fuel than glistening oil. Sancha finished her exploration without finding the source of the engine's power. 
After dangling from the dragon's forearms, Sancho dropped three or four times her height. She was out of practice, hitting her chin on her knees as she enjoyed the impact. Her lips should have gave her lips should have been a bloody mess. She was pleasantly impressed with Irva's gift. But as for the dragon, if you had a hundred of them, her voice was definitely thicker and distant sounding in her armor plucked ears. You could take on one of the fanes and hold it against the demons, but not against the ineffable. You don't appreciate what this is, Zancha. I've built a dragon ten times stronger than anything Misha or I had during the misbegotten war. When it is finished, not even the Thran could stand against it. Misha shrugged. She didn't know the Thran. It will have to be very powerful then when it was finished. You have been blinded, Zancha, by what they did to you, by what you can't remember. But they're not as powerful as they made you believe. My dragon is finished when I found a rest of what I need. Found? Her scavenging shows you had been aroused. You found this? You did not make it? As you made the bread and the tool? I found the materials, Zancha, and I shaped it to my knees. To make a dragon like this. To make it as I made your bread, even for me, would be exhausting. In the end, or as Lord's voice, not quite real. Zancha cocked her head. The bread filled your stomach and was nutritious. It would keep you alive, but you wouldn't thrive on it at least. I don't think you would. When I was a man, I could have thrived on it. Things that are made, whether they are made from nothing or something else, no matter how well they are made, aren't quite real. It's easier, better, to start with something similar to what you want to have at the end and change it, little by little. Complete it. Yes, Urza began, and stopped suddenly, and stared harshly at her, eyes a shimmer. No. Compilation is a flexing taint. Do not use that word. Only artifacts can be made. Everything else must be born, must live and grow. Sancha studied her companion with equal intensity, though her eyes, of course, could not sparkle. We were taught that the ineffable made Phyrexia. Lies, Sancha. They told you lies. I was told may lies, she agreed. Urza took her risk again. Until now, she, he said, I have dwelt here beside my greatest artifact, but now I've taken charge of you. I will have to have a dwelling in a more hospitable place. There's no great inconvenience. For every hospital plane, there are several out-of-the-way planes like this. While these planes have supplied me with the ores I need for my dragon bones, they aren't where power stones are to be found. Sanja had started to ask what a power stone was when her armor began to tingle and Urza began to grow transparent in the stark sunlight. Then her underway before Zancha could ask where they were going, and though she had already guessed that her image for a world was the same as Urza's image for a plane, getting dragged from one world to the next, with his hands clapped around her wrist, was worse than sinking through the ambulators. Whether her eyes were open or closed, Zancha saw the many-colored streaks whirling around her. Every sense, every perception, was stretched to its extreme opposite and held there for what might have been a single moment or might have been an eternity. The silence was deafening, the cold so intense she feared she'd melt, the vice-like pressure so great she feared she'd explode. And to complete the experience, when Urza finally released Sancha, her clinging armor transformed abruptly into a layer of white paste. Pushed past her limit, Sancha gave in to the panic and terror, clawing the residue as she ran blindly from Urza. She tripped, 
as was inevitable, and fell hard enough to knock the wind from her. Urza knelt and touched her. Jammer as it was gone in an instant. I tested on myself, he explained. He helped to her feet and laid hands on her scapes, healing them with a gentle heat. Zancha had endured much in her unmentionable life, none of it gentle. She pulled away when she could and realized he'd brought her back to a place where they, she'd been beating. Parting her lips, she tasted the air. The tang of glistening oil was faint, stale. They're gone, she said, and not long after I rescued you. The locals would have known the Frexians had ever been here. I would not have known if I had not found them first. This is the place, the very place where they brought you, where the last of them stood before leaving. Sancho scuffed the ground with his boot. There's nothing visibly different, but movement releases a scent of glistening oil to the air. It is a familiar place for you, isn't it? You lived here, found food here, cocked your nightmares, Sancho. The Frexians will not return. They are cowards, Sancho. They only play upon the weak. They grasped my brothers, but they never came to me. They know me, Zancha, and they will not return. This will be the place where you can dwell while I complete my dragon. The place where you can lay out your wretched memories for my understanding. Zancha tried to understand her new companion and failed. He was wrong, simply wrong, about so many things. Yet, he did have the power to walk between worlds. No Phyrexian, not even a demon like Gix, could do that. Urza did not give orders, not in a Frexian sense. Still, Zancha had no opportunity but to obey him as she had obeyed Gix, silently and without grace. She started up the path to the caves. Where are you going? Let him haul her back. He had that power. Or let him follow, which he did. The cave was sealed, of course, and carefully, with stones, dirt, and plant life. The locals, as Urza called them, wouldn't know the treasure of their ancestors had been plundered, but Zancha knew. She began pulling weeds and hurling dirt from her bare hands. Ursa intervened. Child, what are you doing? I'm not a child. They brought me here to extract an army. If it's gone, then you'd be right, maybe right that no Frexen will turn here. If it's not, Zancha went back to her work. You'll be digging forever, Ursa pulled aside. There are better ways. For a moment, Ursa stood stock still with his eyes closed. When he opened them, they blazed with quizzum light. A swirling cloud about twice his height bloomed into the air before the clave sealed mouth. He spoke a civil world whose meaning, if it had any, Sancha didn't know. And a cloud rooted itself where she had been digging. Fascinating. Sancha attempted to pull her hand to the small, bright windstorm. Sancha touched her arm, and she could not move. We'll come back tomorrow, and we'll see what has to be seen. Meanwhile, we'll find food. It's too long since I enjoyed a meal, and you will begin telling me everything you remember. Urza took Zancha's wrist and pulled her into the between worlds, before she could recite her armor-releasing rhyme. The journey lasted less than a heartbeat, less than an airless breath. Then emerged in what Urza called a town, where Zancha found herself surrounded by born folk, all flesh like her. All different, too, and chattering a language she couldn't understand. He took her to an inn, gave orders in a bold forked language, told to sit in a chair as he did, to drink from a cup and use a knife and a fork rather than her fingers when she ate. It was difficult, but Urza was adamant. Sancha ate until a knife, at least, was comfortable in her hands. Later, there was music, exactly as Sancha dreamed it would be, and dancing. 
which she would have joined if Urza had not said. Too soon, child. Your eyes are open, but you do not truly see. When the music and dancing had ended, Urza led her from the inn to the night and through the unforeseen world of the forest. He was gone when Sancho awoke, long after sunrise. The scent of Gishling oil was stronger, wafting down from the cave. She remembered the knife, and wished she had put it in her hand, even though it would have been useless against Afraxian or Urza. Urza was lying this cave, and so were most of the artifacts. Tiptoeing in the brink of an excavation tranks, Sancho watched Urza dismantle one of the insect warriors. He was faster and more powerful. When his mandible claws closed over his ankles, they sh they shattered. Athena's whips burned and melted when they touched his face. Perhaps one dragon would be enough if it was Urza's dragon, with Urza sitting between his shoulders. As Anshit cleared her throat, they're coming back. They wouldn't have left all this behind. Waste not, want not. That's our way. Urza left in the air and covered in front of her. The Phyrexian way is not your way, Zancha. Not anymore. But otherwise, yes. I believe you are right. I am ready for the tomorrow. Though let us hope it's not so soon. With time to study the automata, I'll be more ready for them, Zancha. These could almost be Thran design. They're pure artifacts. No sentience at all. But perfectly adaptive. Look. He held up a fluorescent ring. A power stone that is the power stone. There's water in here. Light and simple mana. The essence of all things. I shall call it Flauton, because it burns without consuming itself. I will give my power. I will. It will give me power for my dragon, more power than I ever dreamed. I shall redesign it. Vengeance, Venge, Sancha. I will take vengeance for both of us. When the Frexians return, I will destroy them, pursue them all the way back to Frex itself. That was Chapter Nine of Planeswalker. Thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, and follow on YouTube and on your chosen podcast platform. And I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.